right, everyone. Hello. Welcome to another amazing episode of Outside the Studio. This is Tessa here, as usual, coming at you with a very special episode. We are so honored to have Heather Allison here to join us to talk about really fun and interesting topics, um, such as feminine energy, um, her mystery school, what that is, being guided by our souls, um, topics such as free will and manifestation. Um, and then one that I'm really excited to dig into is the successful business uh, of marketing in terms of the feminine marketing principles. Super excited about that. So before Heather joins us, let's uh, just learn just a little bit about her. And I'm going to let her expand upon this too. But so you have some background. Um, Heather's Mystery School, Golden Goddess, provides foundational energetics that support everything, such as deeper love, soul-guided and sacred success for entrepreneurs and leaders, clear intuition and guidance, personal power, centeredness, peace, and harmony. And 85% of her teachings are channeled and deeply grounded in real life. And so the women who have experienced her work describe it as unimaginable transformation, revolutionary, whole life-changing, and by far the most important work I've ever done. And so without further ado, Heather, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I love that the kitties just joined us. <laughs> right on cue, right? <laughs> right on saying. cue. Yeah. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm a total animal lover. So they might be like, oh, my people are here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this kitty, she it's, I have two, I have two black cats, they're sisters. A lot of people think that they are the same cat, but there are two, but this little one, her name's Abeja is the only one that ever shows up on screen. She's a little starlet. <laughs> so anyways, we're not going to talk about black cats all day. <laughs> not all day. <laughs> what I do want to start with though, is learning a little bit more about you. So if you, if you have anything that you want to add to, um, your very brief bio or a section of your bio that I read, please do. And I also, I'd love to hear about, you know, your origin story. Like for example, how, what is your mystery school? How did this come about? How did you get into this kind of work? Yeah. I, that was a lot of that, questions. That was, that was, that's all right. I'll ask you again to remind me if I forget. Okay. I have mystic brain, which happens a lot over here. So I'm like, well, what was it that you were going to ask me again? Or what was I going to talk about again? Um, but that's one of the things I think I was going to speak to and kind of offer in anyway, was that I had my spiritual awakening at the age of 40, um, which, so it was a pretty profound shift in my life, a pretty profound kind of reality 180, if you will, where I was just kind of going around doing what I do, you know, like had various jobs and worked in like a, um, ad agency for a while. I worked for, um, um, a very large retailer and kind of their corporate social responsibility for a while. I worked for, you know, in marketing and in a, for a photography company, like all kinds of things. I was a project manager for a little while. Um, and just, living a normal, quote unquote, normal life, exploring a little bit, you know, uh, energetically, I was kind of intrigued by things like crystals and Oracle cards and things like that. But I always thought that the, like the real intuitives were other people, um, until, yeah, until suddenly around 39, 40, I had a pretty profound spiritual awakening and then everything really just shifted. Um, I had just gone through a coach training program where, and not because I wanted to be a coach, but because I had been through a really 
horrific marriage and, and traumatic marriage, and then two other relationships that also didn't like work out. Mm-hmm. And this work, this coach training program was really centered around the feminine and masculine energetics in relationship mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, romantic relationships. And I was like, whatever, I, I want all the information. So just bring me all the information. So I decided to join this, this coach training program, thinking that that was like kind of the you know, the beeline into getting all the information I could find on the subject. Um, and about six or eight months later, I ended up having a really massive spiritual awakening, like I said, and, and, and it, I went from teaching the, you know, and offering work around relationships and love coaching and things like that into this much more expanded, much more spiritual, much more energetic, much more channeled uh, teachings and energetics and really teaching the work around being in relationship and being in love with all parts of our life, if that makes sense, instead of just in this like romantic realm. Mm-hmm. So it was a massive shift. And, and that was kind of the beginning of everything, if you will. That was about, oh, well, I'm about to turn 47. So almost seven years ago now. So the work has evolved quite a bit since then. Um, and it just keeps kind of getting deeper and bigger and more powerful and uh, more fun to share. Mm. Well, so I want to, if you would, wouldn't mind and feel free to tell me, you know, if there's things that you don't want to go into detail on, but I'm curious when people say they have spiritual awakenings, um, a couple of things come to mind for me. One is how do we know that that's something that's actually happening, um, in terms of like physical sensations, intellectual shifts. Um, and then the follow-up to that is how do we know that it sticks? Like, how do we know that that awakening or transformation isn't going to be this kind of fleeting thing that will then just suddenly slip back into our, for lack of a better word, mundane lives. Yeah. I love that question. Um, I want to answer it. I'll answer with mine in just a second, but to kind of answer the spiritual awakening piece, as I see it in my clients, this happens a lot in my primary mystery school, which is called golden goddess, where a lot of the teachings they'll come in and, and, and be listening and receiving and learning and, and kind of still be on this, on the edge of this, like, I kind of get this, but I kind of don't really, it's still, it still feels fuzzy or it still feels kind of a little farther away, or it still feels a little like not quite grasping. And then how my clients in the past have described this to me is that they, they say that it feels just like a frequency change where suddenly it's like, Oh, like, Oh, I get, Oh, I get this kind of like clouds part, like Mm -hmm. something just changes and suddenly everything's starting to make sense in a much different way. They're starting to see things in a much different way. Um, I've also described it as like kind of going from black and white to technicolor, like where you can understand things in a black and white kind of scenario if you're watching a black and white movie, but it's a completely different experience when it, when it's technicolor, you know, when it changes into like all these tones and and colors and hues and, and gradations and all of that stuff. Um, it's a very kind of abstract way of describing it, but that's the simplest way I can is that there is just this frequency change where suddenly things are making sense in a different way than they used to, where suddenly you're feeling like sensations and energetics in your body that you haven't felt before, um, that feel cleaner or clearer or more enlivening or more uplifting than, than before, um, where your intuitive abilities are kind of crystallizing a bit more and more your channels opening a bit more and more. I mean, I have women come into this work who think that they're not intuitive kind of like I did. Um, and you know, within 
a month or so are like, whoa, I had no idea. Or they just start developing their own language with their soul or their own language with their guides, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's for lack of better way of putting it, it's just this, it's a paradigm shift that you can't really describe to anybody because it's something that you have to feel and notice Mm -hmm. for yourself. Um, and, and, and it comes through all of the, the various subtle realms, both within us and around us. And and that's literally what we do in in a mystery school. Um, for me, it was, I I've always kind of paid attention to my dreams. I've always kind of like, oh, that was an interesting one. I might write that down or, you know, that was, I wonder what the symbolism of this is. And, and like I said, about six or so months after my, I, I went through this coach training program and I credit the feminine energetics with me having this spiritual awakening in the first place, um, because she is our connection to all of these subtle realms. She is connection to all of the the languages and the information that happens in our inner, inner worlds, if that makes sense. Um, and our connection to the things that are unseen. Um, and so I don't, it, it's no accident that this happens through kind of embodying and, and playing in, if you will, the more and more of the feminine energetics. Um, but I had a dream one night where um, I met a man in an ancient Egyptian temple and he offered to be my teacher. And in the dream, I said, yes. And he guided me deeper into the temple and he showed me sacred library and a sacred book that he showed me and introduced me to other people who would also be supporting me or helping me or what have you. And I just woke up going like, man, that was a really cool dream. And I kind of looked into some symbolism, but that was as far as I went with it until a couple months later, when I started actually having experiences in my waking physical life that were echoing back to the things that I had seen and heard and experienced in that dream on such like an intense level that I was like, you kind of can't ignore it when it's happening so frequently. And so readily, and especially when you're like, well, no, I'm just making that up. That's just, that's just me being like wishful thinking. And then it would happen again, or do you know that kind of thing where it took me a while because I like to say I'm kind of the most skeptical mystic you'll ever meet, but I was like, no, I think I'm just, no, that can't be real. That's, I must just be making this up. Um, but I, it kept happening and I kept kind of going, well, wait, is, is, is this, could this be? And eventually I, I just sat down and with like a lot of rules that I was like, you know, listen, I'm going to listen to just this one particular playlist or this one particular album. And I will meditate. And when I'm doing that, if you're trying to talk to me, then you can talk to me, but that's, you know, like no other time I was like really controlled over it. Cause I was terrified of like what I was going to be, you know, commuting with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he did, I call him my cosmic teacher. Now the man who met me, I met in the dream and he started showing me things and telling me things and teaching me things. And I was like, you know, jaw on the floor, couldn't believe. And so to answer your second part of your question, which is like, how do you continue? How do you uphold that? How do you kind of maintain and sustain that kind of a relationship? Well, that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what I teach here was like all the methods through which we deepen our, our dialect with these realms and with the understanding of, and the receiving of these subtle bits of information and the devotion to a practice that allows you to do that, you know, a daily, if possible, if it's not daily, then at least more often than not practice with really intentionally connecting. Um, And the way I teach it is is a little bit different. Um, A lot of people teach just kind of like sit and meditate, you know, and just see what, what happens and, uh, or clear your mind and just focus on breath and all that's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with any of that, but um, I teach a very specifically receiving based form of 
meditation where we're actually connecting to our soul and letting her guide us and like what, what even she wants us to be doing in our meditation practice. You know, do you want me to be working with cards today? Do you want me to be working with crystals today? Do you want me to just, you know, you want me to listen to this song or this song or whatever it might be, but where we're actually opening up the process of meditation to being guided in the little minuscule, seemingly mundane aspects of what we're doing so that we can kind of be opening ourselves to receive in a much bigger way, if that makes sense. Yeah. I love that. It gives me a couple things. It gives me number one. I love it that you start off with that your spiritual awakening happened when you turned 40. I think, I think it's really easy to head into our forties and fifties and think, and even our thirties, right. And think, Oh, I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. I'm doomed. Or there's yeah. something wrong with me. I'm doomed or fill in the blank. I'm doomed. Right. And kind of go about our lives and think, you know, I guess this is as good as it gets and kind of become complacent with that. At least that's been my experience. And, um, so I think there's there's something wrong with us if we haven't figured it out. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Especially in this realm of like health and wellness in soul work in, um, connecting with feminine archetype, um, and that sort of like, I love that, that you, you called yourself the, the most skeptical mystic ever. It was skeptic, skeptical mm-hmm. mystic, right? Yeah. 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 Cause I identify with that so much in terms of like, well, okay. I've had the, I've had similar dreams and then I forget about them and I don't do anything with them. And then I think, okay, well, my life is passing me by now because I'm not paying attention or I'm not slowing down enough to, you know, sit in the mystery and and sort of figure out what that means. And also I have to exist in this very uh, practical, logical, patriarchal society that, that calls this stuff kind of like the word I hear thrown at me a lot is hippie, which drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, the new one I hear a lot is woo. (laughs) which also kind of drives me crazy. But I, I mean, I think the people that are using it in that way, they're not saying it to degrade me or make me feel bad, but there's this like very ever so subtle, um, just flicker of shame in that. And and that's like my own stuff. Right. But so it's very collective too, though. It's very collective because we've never this, you're right. This world doesn't make room for the mystical. It really does. That sees it as something is maybe nice to have, but more often than not, it just sees it as kind of like, you know, weird and out there and not realistic. And and we've just very much forgotten our relationship with the invisible realms, Uh, whether that's inside, you know, our internal invisible realms or external, like we don't pay that much attention to the really subtle sensations or our dreams, like you're saying, or, you know, our intuition or our emotions, even, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't have that, that, that level of mastery of connection with those things anymore. We don't have that deep dialogue with those things anymore. So it's, I think comes from fear and also like a, an idea that this is, these are secondary or maybe even worse, like tertiary or beyond, like somehow somewhere down the value ladder, you know, but definitely not on the top. And I would argue the exact opposite. Yeah. And it's, I a hundred percent agree with you. And I, I think that when we do, when I have dabbled in kind of existing within that realm, I feel like to some, I'm not taken seriously. My yeah. work is not taken seriously. Um, and so I guess the question that I'm trying to tease out out of all of this is 
can we kind of coexist and straddle these realms or these worlds? And, you know, and maybe maybe it's okay if we don't maybe if we go all in in one realm or the other that's okay but i'm wondering for myself <laughs> in your experience is there a way to kind of bridge the gap and straddle both and kind of i guess make everyone happy or at least yeah. make ourselves able to coexist between both yeah paradigms? and that honestly for me is the is the point of this work it's not to right so if we imagine the patriarchy is what i call like over masculinized where we we swung in the pendulum all the way over into the masculine side, the masculine archetypal energetics. And for anybody listening who's not super familiar with the archetypes, we're not talking about male and female, like man and woman. We're talking about the, the masculine principle and the feminine principle. And we have both of them within all of us. Doesn't matter what our gender is. And, but we have swung as a society, as a culture, as a world, as a collective, so far over into this over-masculinized space. And really like we're talking about has like vilified and rejected and made fun of in some cases, or just devalued or what have you, um, the, all of the feminine principle things. And so what makes the patriarchal, this current paradigm so uncomfortable and feeling so like lifeless and dry is that he's missing his partner. So what we don't also want to just swing over all the way over into her either and forget him, you know, mm -hmm. because the harmony comes in the dance between the two. Um, it's, it's for any of your listeners who might be familiar with the idea of sacred union. That's what we're going for is is the balance between the two and that goes for the mystical and the mundane as well right the 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 logical and the intuitive in the intuitive as well the the human and higher and so what we're looking for is the sweet spot what we're looking for is not balance oh my gosh throat chakra <laughs> what we're looking for is like not balance where we might be tempted to think that there's some specific point that's always going to be the exact right sweet mm -hmm. spot, if that makes sense. But we want is this like beautiful dance where it's always moving and we're just feeling what, like, just like you would when you're dancing to music, you're just feeling what's alive in the music right now to find the space of expression and the space of alignment and the space of balance and the space of what feels right and what feels good and what wants to be like expressed through us. So it absolutely is long story short, it absolutely is possible. And it's actually, it's, it's the whole point. It's what we want to be striving for is, is the dance between the two, bringing them into harmony. Like my clients tell me this is some of the most spiritual kind of energetic work they've ever done. But at the same time, it's some of the most grounded work they've ever, ever done as well. Cause we don't, we don't explore any of this work just from an energetic perspective where like we find ways to apply it to everything in your life, you know, into your business, into your conversation with your mom, into, you know, calling in your lover or deepening your relationship with your partner. Like it's, it's everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Well, so this is, I think we're starting to head towards the topic that I wanted to address, which is, um, the idea, or I guess to put it more into practical terms, the practice of um, letting ourselves be guided by our soul. And to me, that is a way to kind of move from um, a, maybe a masculine centered way of thinking and acting and behaving to a more feminine way of acting, behaving and thinking um, while hopefully honoring both, but letting the soul guide the way. Um, so I think you talk about this in terms of like using a map, um, 
and tapping into our true desires. And so I'd love it if you could just expound upon that. Yeah. A little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. The, the map piece is something I always talk about, which is that our soul, our individual soul, like my soul, your soul, she's the one who, and I always say she, just because my clients are typically female, but um, she's the one who holds our map, right? She's the one who, um, if this aligns with your belief systems, she's the one who came here, who decided to come here, who, who, even if you didn't, if you don't believe that it's kind of like a conscious choice that our soul came here on purpose or for some form of experience or some form of reason, then at very least, most people tend to believe or agree that there's something animating us. There's something kind of unique and not measurable or not definable. That's something ineffable. That's, that's animating us. And my experience of our soul is that she is the one who like is holding the map to everything that we're craving, everything that we're desiring, every reason that we came here, every uh, soul purpose um, that we came here for. And that every desire we have, whether it's for a partner or for feeling more expressed in our relationship or tapping into our intuition or having, you know, um, a successful soul led business, all of that boils down to an existential desire, our deepest, most core existential desire, which is to be the most full, like fully expressed version of our soul, if that makes sense. Um, and the shift for me in, I like that you brought this in like the feminine and masculine, because it applies everywhere. It's literally just like these energetics, these archetypes are really just how we do what we do and kind of like in what energy we're doing them with, if that makes sense, um, in kind of the sacred feminine and sacred masculine dance that would be allowing ourselves to be guided by our soul, which is the feminine, like listening through what I consider to be kind of like her three pillars, which is emotion, sensation, and intuition. So we can hear what she's saying to us or hear where she's guiding us or sense what it is like that our next step might be. And then allowing the sacred masculine to kind of Full, like uphold that, take steps for that, take action for that and carry us forward. It's the will piece. It's the will to, to choose what sometimes might be, this makes no sense, but I can kind of just feel like it's aligned or this makes no sense, but it's what I sense that I'm supposed to be doing, which is, you know, like really letting her kind of speak through us, if that makes sense. So that dance comes to live when we're allowing our feminine to kind of listen and receive the guidance through, like I said, those kind of three pillars of emotion, sensation, and intuition, and then letting our, our sacred masculine take the steps, take the action to, to follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm thinking about this now from that Okay, let's say, for example, we've started this journey where we're um, starting to implement some practices into our life. And if you have any specific practices you want to speak to um, that could be applicable to this conversation, please feel free to throw them out there. Um, but you know, I'm personally relating this to the work that I do with teaching yoga in terms of understanding subtle body yeah. um, and the philosophy of yoga. When you start on this path, oftentimes, it feels like you're making progress and, and your life starts to shift and change. And then bam, something happens that feels like this um, kind of like a huge setback maybe, or um, a lot of obstacles start to feel like they're being presented to us that can either create turmoil or more ignorance or more pain or suffering or more attachment or you know, an inversion to um, something that I'm speaking to the clashes in particular, if anyone wants to know what 
uh, particular philosophy or subtle body aspect I'm referring to, it feels like it's part of this uh, uh, hero's journey, if, if you're familiar with Joseph Campbell, to embark on a journey, feel like you make progress, and then feel like, okay, and this is an archetype in and of itself of a hero's journey that yeah. you're faced with these almost feeling like insurmountable um, obstacles and, and not really sure what's real in terms of soul and intuition and what sort of like um, myths that we might be bumping up against that we're not even sure if it's like, okay, well, is this actually the work or if I diverged from the path now? So I think the specific question about this is um, like what kind of misconceptions or myths might we encounter along the way when we start doing this soul work? And, and maybe they're myths about feminine energy. Maybe they're myths about the the work itself. Does that question make sense? I think so. Um, will you say it for me in one other, like in one other form, if you don't mind, just so I can see if I can tap into something that wants to come through around it. Yeah, of course. So um, let me see if I can uh, find another form. Um, so you know, let's say like you're given a new tool and you're like, okay, I got this. I'm going to use this new tool to make progress towards this specific yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm making progress. This is feeling good. And then the tool does something really weird and unexpected. And you're like, fuck, I am totally stuck. This tool isn't working the way that I thought it should. And now I feel like I have this choice between throwing this tool away and, and feeling like I shouldn't have even started this journey in the first place and, or, um, it sounds trying like to figure out a new tool dark, or dark to night of the, the soul. Tool. Yes. Dark night of the soul vibes. <laughs> yeah. Dark night of the soul vibes are like the void. I call it as well. And man, we can meet those places for a lot of different reasons. My personal experience of this, because <laughs> I've met it, I've met it a few times, is that it is literally just a part of the journey where a couple of things are happening. One is it's kind of what I call like these thesis moments where I don't believe that it's like tests necessarily, you know, like where, where I'm being tested and I'm going to pass or fail or what have you. But I, I consider it more to be like, you've just completed your PhD or your master's and you've learned all this stuff. And now like, show me, just show me like, this is a moment where you get to like, take everything that you've been learning and like double down and embody it and show me like work inside of what you've been learning, do you know, and, like in practical kind of ways, if that makes sense. And I know that's still kind of abstract, but, but basically it's like, we, to use your terminology, like we find a tool and it starts to work. And then suddenly it seems like it's not working anymore. It's like, how quickly are we willing to throw that tool away? How mm -hmm. quickly are we willing to like step away from the things that we've been following and the calling that's been whispering to us and the, the inner knowing and the, and the faith and the belief and the, like, I can feel it. This is meant for me. This is where I'm supposed to go. How fast are we willing to toss that out? Because it's not quote unquote, going the way that we thought it should go. Um, another thing that's happening there though, too, and it's kind of related because everything always is, but it's, it's what things are wanting to kind of be pruned away. What old crutches, like what old ways, what old conditioning things that we are maybe really hesitant to, to let go of our grip on, like the, what railings are we still holding on to? I always like in the stone to like, you can study swimming all you want. 
you can even be in the water and kicking your, be kicking your legs and your feet. But unless you let go of the railing, unless you let go of the side of the pool, you're not actually swimming. There's a, there's a concept in there. There's a, there's a, a um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like a, a physics, like a, um, aspect of physics that doesn't come into play until you're actually like trusting your ability to move and swim within what you can't control. Does that make sense? Like you don't get to have a hand on the side of the pool. If you want to actually be understanding in your body, like what swimming actually is. And I love that you brought in yoga. Um, because it's kind of like when I was trying to describe this earlier about like, what is the spiritual awakening? Like, what is the paradigm shift? How does that feel? It's like, um, it's like when you finally find, you know, even trying to, and I can't, I still can't. So I'm not saying this from my personal experience, but other things maybe have, have opened up for me in yoga, but like, maybe you're trying to rock some headstands and you try and you try and you try and you're always falling over one way or the other, but some, at some point, suddenly your body kind of finds this stasis. It finds this, like this, this balance. That's not again, a single position. It's this, it's this constantly like adjusting in your core that you couldn't describe to anybody how, like how you got there. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just suddenly you kind of like get it and the getting it locks into your body. If that makes sense. Um, I forget why I was bringing this in, but I, but it was feeling really, oh, and then the subtle realms of like, kind of how you get there are the teeny tiny subtle tweaks that you do in yoga. You're not coming around and like completely changing the position we're doing, right? Like when you're adjusting people, you're, you're making really subtle things that kind of help come into alignment so that your body can know the alignment over time. Um, and again, I, oh, okay. So to tie this up with the, like the void and the, um, this is like mystic brain. Sometimes I forget, um, <laughs> with the void and the dark night of the soul. It's like, how would you know, how would you know to adjust? How would you know to make an adjustment unless you were out of alignment? And so like, can you see some of those places of, of, the void and dark night of the soul as simply like the place where you're maybe in the yoga pose and you're a little out of alignment and it's going to cause you some back problems over time. If you kept doing it that way, or it's going to cause you to like, you know, hurt your ankle or throw out a disc or something, if you're doing it in that way over time. And so then you find the adjustment, you find the alignment, which might be very, very subtle. Um, and, and, and in my experience, you kind of like pop through those places of dark night of the soul and the void into kind of continuing on the journey, if you will. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I, I think it's, it's, you're right. This language around explaining and putting words to these very embodied experiences, it's hard to yeah. talk about it and to articulate it because it's a very embodied felt sense thing when we do experience it. So I think that example of headstands a really good one because it is um, and physics in general, because it is almost like this thing where suddenly when things are in alignment, for me, at least headstand in particular, to use that analogy, will start to feel like there it's, there's a, there's a subtle effortlessness and yeah. my legs will float up mm. almost like without any effort, yeah. <laughs> just because I'm the rest of my body is in that much alignment that the legs just simply follow. Yeah. I keep doing and this thing like, with my hand because that's what it feels like in my body. <laughs> but it's like swimming too. Like, how do you describe yeah. what swimming actually feels like or how you do it to somebody who's never done it, who just sees like, I'm going to sink if I get in there, you know, like you're it's, it's this 
and I call it this all the time in my work, it's this felt knowing that you, it's a recognition. It's a, it's like a very cellular level, ancient wisdom kind of remembrance of an ability or a way of being or, or a relationship with, in this case, the water or in headstand, a relationship with your own core. Yeah. It's a great analogies. Yeah. So, I mean, each person's going to have their own um, felt experience of what that feels like, but I think it's important. What I was trying to get at is when we encounter those things that may feel like setbacks, or it maybe it feels like rock bottom or dark night of the soul, what, however you want to describe that feeling. I think it's important to remember that we are all going to go through that maybe multiple times. Like Heather, you mentioned going through it a couple of times, right? And so it's not like this one and done. Okay. Now I found this, uh, sense of perfect, Right. And that's where I get to rest. Right. It's like this continual growth. And that's what balance is, in my opi- uh, opinion, is like finding that dance between, I love the analogy of the dance between masculine and feminine, because it's, it's not like we can set up shop in one camp or the other and expect a healthy balance of both. We have to learn to dance between the, the, those two spaces and to get along between those two spaces. So I want to, I want to um, spend some time talking a little bit more about masculine and feminine energies in partnership in particular, um, and why romantic and love relationships fail when the feminine energy is missing, because I see so many, I look around me and I've, I've been through this too, in my own relationship past where it's like, I'm doing this kind of almost toxic, whatever you want. I'm going to make you happy. I'm going to kind of like get, get rid of the essence of me and, and my desires and my needs to make you happy so that you won't leave me. Yeah. I mean, and that's just one example, right? Like we can talk for hours about like all kinds of different relationship dynamics, but I want to talk a little bit more from your perspective about in particular, as it relates to energies and partnership, the importance of feminine and masculine energies yeah. that work there. Yeah. And I think the the biggest thing is that we're all, it's kind of like, what is that metaphor of when you're a fish, you're not really aware of the water that you're swimming and it's just what you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's kind of how we all are as far as our kind of over-masculinized conditioning in this patriarchal collective, this patriarchal world that we live in and have lived in for thousands of years. So we don't realize that we've all kind of shifted over into this, you know, the, the masculine energy is at least wounded masculine energetics is very much about like control. We all, and, and we're not even talking about like over controlling and like controlling one another or anything, although that exists too, but just the idea that we feel like we need to have control in order to be safe. Well, it's just mm-hmm. a complete illusion, or we, we feel like, um, you know, there's a battle of wills in relationships very often, but we're, we're so over-masculinized that we end up both being, whether it's same sex or opposite sex relationships, we end up both kind of being in this masculinized energy, this over-masculinized energy typically, which then creates conflict, right? And they, they don't, they don't dance together so well. Um, it's kind of the yin and the yang, right? Like where you kind of, you want to have, regardless of which which partner holds which energetic kind of more primarily you do kind of want to have 
you want to have the flow and that can change actually between, you know, um, between partners as well. I see it more often in, in same sex relationships where it's not necessarily that one person feels more comfortable and in, in more feminine and the other feels more comfortable and more masculine, although that's very often the case, but sometimes it can shift and be very fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, you just kind of want to have the dance. You want to have the, it's like the tide can only go in one direction. You know, it's either kind of coming in toward the shore overall, or it's going out, you know, into, uh, into the center of the ocean overall. Um, even though there are little waves going back and forth, if that makes sense. So it's not like only one direction, but the, but the, the problem comes when we are either both operating in the same energetics, which is very common, or when, you know, there is this unconscious thing that happens when one person is holding more of the, the masculine energy. And because we're in the wounded masculine in our conditioning, then, then, then his partner comes in, right. Meaning his, meaning the, the masculine, the wounded masculine's partner, which is the wounded feminine. So then we are in the wounded dance. Mm-hmm. So it's not enough to just kind of understand that there is feminine energy and there's masculine energy in every relationships. It's like, which one are we operating in? There's Mm -hmm. a feminine, there's a wounded and a mask and and a sacred feminine and masculine, if that makes sense. So the work for me, as far as I've seen it is to first kind of become aware of what those energetics are really like understanding. And I have a grid that I can share with you if it might be helpful, if you do show notes, Yeah, Um, that's really helpful in understanding kind of, like I said, there energetics underneath or the energies with which we do things. They're not like, you know, who wears dresses and who none of that kind of, um, stereotypical idea or limiting idea of what feminine and masculine is. Um, but it's helpful to understand kind of like where we're coming from, what energetics are sacred, which energetics are wounded. And then can we start to kind of like co-create and be aware of what our partner is in and what we feel more comfortable in and, like I said, it's really like dancing. And at first when you're learning it, like some steps to a dance, it's clunky and it's awkward. And it's like mechanical. Cause you're like, I don't really know this. Is this what we're doing? But when you prime your, your body and your energetics and your emotions to kind of understand and recognize these things, then it just becomes the movement together. And we, and we, we adjust based on what's going on in our partnership or what's going on in the dynamic or what's going on with our partner. Or does that make sense? Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about it in terms of like, uh, there are times in my partnership where I feel us doing that dance from that toxic place. And it's almost like, okay, it's, it's kind of like the chicken before the egg right. question. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So how do we identify that either one of us is being triggered by something and reacting out of that toxic place and then move to a more sacred place. And I'm sure your grid will help with this, yeah. identifying that. Yeah. But I'm wondering if you have any examples of like being able to catch ourselves and, and make a shift. And I, I should, I could tack on more questions to that, but I'll stop and let you answer. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, one of the things I always say about this is, and it's kind of a little bit flippant, but I, it's also just really helpful kind of to understand is assessing whether or not we individually, like in our own lives or our business or whatever, or in our relationships, are we in a wounded dynamic or are we in a sacred dynamic? And, and it's like, the, the question is just always like, are you struggling? Mm -hmm. 
are you struggling? Are you in conflict? Mm -hmm. um, are you feeling more separated? Or are you feeling in flow? Are you feeling in connection? Are you feeling closer rather than more separate, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so the answer for me is always like, well, if you are feeling like you're in struggle, then there's something energetically in these archetypes and the archetypal realm. That's a little like, again, like the yoga pose that wants an adjustment. And, and one of the ways you can feel into that, and it's just kind of like a really, really super shorthand. This is definitely not like the full, they are so much deeper and so much more vast than, than any like one kind of inquiry can, can satisfy. But it's like, are you, are you trying to control? What are you trying to control? Um, are you feeling unwhole? Are you feeling, um, scarcity? Are you feeling like, you know, any form of unwholeness, which is I have a story happening or an emotion happening in here that feels like I'm not good enough or that you think I'm not good enough or that you think I am not capable or whatever that might be. So those two questions are like, are you trying to control slash what are you trying to control? And the other being, are you feeling unwhole? Those are really good kind of beginning places to start to see like, where might these wounded archetypes be coming into play in my relationship, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Those are so helpful. I love these questions. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I want to, I want to leave us enough time to talk about two, two more things. Um, and uh, because I don't want to, we could probably spend a whole podcast conversation on this. So um, I might leave that one for the last. <laughs> um, and if we have time for it, we'll get to it. But I do want to make sure we talk about building a successful business through feminine marketing principles, because I think so many of us are shifting into this realm of like mm. entrepreneurship. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, building a new, I'll let you just take that question. I'm going to rattle on too long. <laughs> yeah. So a couple of things. One is I'm a big, big, big believer in really soul guided entrepreneurship, meaning again, kind of what we like the underlying existential desire under anything that we crave as humans is, is to be the fullest expression and the fullest embodiment of our soul. And that includes like the work that we're here to deliver to the world. And so, and it's so, I, I kind of joke about this a lot, but it's like, we're so funny because we're like, what's my soul purpose. And then, or like, what should I do? What's the next right step? And then we, we sense it or we hear it or we intuitively receive it or we feel it or whatever. And then we just try to take it to our brain and go, cool, how do I make this happen? It's like, we take what we're craving, what we're asking for. And as soon as we think that we have it, or we think we have the answer or like, like, you know, like I'm going to he head to this destination then we hand it over to our brain, this like limiting and limited part of ourselves that doesn't have the whole picture that can't see, like that can only come up with what's the most logical or that can only come up with solutions that are based on what's already here. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. instead of letting our soul continue to guide us, you know, which is like, sh she's the one trying to take us to the thing that we're trying to get to in the first place. So like, let's keep letting her, her guide us. And that takes discipline and it takes devotion, more de devotion than discipline, but, um, cause it's really uncomfortable because she's, you know, basically guiding us into what we can't see, what we can't control, what we don't have any proof of yet. Um, and so that's the, one of the biggest things in kind of a feminine paradigm of business is really allowing ourselves to be guided, allowing ourselves to kind of be the vessel for something that wants to come through us rather than driving our business and taking, you know, taking action and making decisions from a place of only logic. Not that there's not place for logic and rationality, but, but can we again be in the dance where, where we're honoring what we're getting intuitively and then really like tasking our logic with like, 
how to, how to also take care of the human needs. Like maybe, maybe there needs to be a, just a, to use like an income example, if what you're being guided to do kind of makes no sense or you're, you don't have clients yet or what have you, can you take action for what your soul is guiding you into while you also take care of the human needs and maybe have a part-time job or what have you, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, the other things though, when it comes to like marketing and sales, those for me are things like, you know, are we, are we marketing with what the marketing gurus are trying to like teach us how to do, which is like scarcity and pain points and like fear-based FOMO-based marketing and like, you know, pressing on wounds in people in order to get them to buy, or are we really like showing up with value and like wholeness? You can think there's a theme in our, in our energetics in the feminine is like this wholeness, this this truth, this embodied value. And can we invite them into something like that, that speaks of possibility instead of what you're missing out on or what you might miss out on or how, you know, you're going to, I just see it so often. And it drives me so crazy. I even saw a feminine energy coach recently talking about, um, you know, basically throwing out the, like your business is going to fail unless you do these things. And it's like, you're wounding them with one hand and then you're promising them wholeness with the other. And so you're literally like a doctor, like making you sick so that I can heal you kind of thing. And you're going to keep wounding them and keep making them sick while you also keep promising them the healing, if that makes sense. So it's really about honoring the wholeness of our audience, inviting them into possibility, inviting them into, um, freedom of choice, like free will and, and the power to choose things rather than I'm going to kind of manipulate you and talk you into, or like, you know, speak to your unconscious and your, and your subconscious to, to kind of hypnotize you into buying what I want you to buy. So there's a lot of things like that. Even if you were to have, you know, be in a conversation, like a sales conversation, can you treat the person you're on the phone with or in person with as somebody who simply wants what's most aligned for them? And can you be in service of helping them find that instead of, can I get you into the thing I want to sell you? Do you know? So there's so many different ways that we tend to operate in the wounded energetics when we're building a business, offering our business, when we're even putting together, you know, marketing plans or having sales conversations that, that really are being asked to come into a much more mutually sovereign and, and sacred relationship between offering and, and audience, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think about, you know, how I, uh, market or share my offerings in terms of like a yoga teacher training or a workshop that I'm offering and just even coming up with a, a title for something like that, that grabs attention and, um, feels like, okay, this might be the right fit for a particular audience member or person feels really tricky. And sometimes it feels a little icky. So I feel like I, I tend not to even go there because I feel like I don't even know how to explain this thing that I'm offering. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Without. That's my life. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So I think it's such an important topic and I'm so glad you bring it up and and that you talk about it. Um, and I'm hesitating because we don't have too much time left because this last I'm okay if you want to go longer. So don't worry about me. Well, I don't want to keep you too long, but let's, let's touch on, because I think these things can be related in terms of, you know, okay. So we're doing this work that our soul feels guided to, like we've created our own business and we want to market in a way that feels 
um, inviting and, and whole and sovereign and all of those things. Okay, so in terms of doing this work um, and being able to do this work and thinking about how do we make sure our uh, basic survival needs get met and also do the work that fulfills our soul, the things that come into my mind a lot around this stuff is um, manifestation, um, free will, destiny, fate, these kinds of words that they tend to be a little bit tricky, just like marketing is. Um, and I think they tend to, to get a little bit like uh, confused in, in our current day vernacular. Um, and I know you talk a lot about how something like manifestation isn't this linear process. Um, and these things are more complex. Um, so I don't really have a specific question aside from, I, I just wanted to hear you talk about these. Yeah. yeah. I think the most common question I get around this is like, what, what's really real? Like it, it, do we have free will or is it destiny? Yeah. You know, that kind of question. Yeah. And then also, you know, can we really manifest anything and everything that we want? Or is it, you know, orchestrated for us? Is it, you know, destined, faded, all of that stuff. And again, it's like the whole theme of, of this work is like, it's the both and, right. It's, it's the, it's the dynamic of the two. Mm -hmm. So if you have a dynamic of the two, which is that there is a destiny and that there is a free will, it's the most, let me just put it this way. The most sacred form of manifestation in my experience. And as I've received it, that we can possibly work with and walk with is the the devotion to manifesting what like our soul's mission, what she came here for, to hearing that, to listening for that, to feeling for that, to getting like listening to the subtle nudges, to being in devotion to like a morning practice, to, to listen to her, to, to, um, you know, walking with and paying attention to these invisible realms inside of us and outside of us. And then using our free will, that beautiful sacred masculine free will to take steps in, in service of that. Um, you know, we, does that make sense? So it's not like we don't have free will. It's also not that we can't choose things that aren't aligned with our soul. We absolutely can. It's that in my experience, the, the, the life and the destiny, the, the, the path that we are going to feel the most fulfilled on and the most happy on, and the most like elatedly fully expressed on is the one that's going to be guided by her. And so let's like, it's basically using your power of choice, your power of free will for the thing that's actually ultimately going to make you the most happy thing. That's actually going to make you the most fulfilled, which is going to be being the fullest expression of, of your soul. You can for sure spend your time, like spinning your wheels, most of the time spinning your wheels, like trying to make things happen, trying to force things to go the way you want them to go. Um, but that's really forgetting how limitless we are, what infinite beings we are, that we have to have the thing that we can see that we want right here from this perspective and from where we are and from what we know right now. We It has to go the way that we want it to. We, it has to be in the shape of things that we want it to be in rather than, again, kind of handing over to, to what we can't see and what we can't define, what's ineffable in order to be guided to something that we couldn't design from where we are right now, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, again, this dance of 
can you open to let yourself be guided as much as you possibly can? Can you use your gift of free will to, to nurture that and to be devoted to that and to take steps in service of that, which is going to mean, um, you know, taking service, taking steps in service of the thing that you're being called into, even if it doesn't make any sense while you also his gift, the sacred masculine gift is, is upholding the both. And so it's not throw yourself off the cliff of your soul calling and forget that you need to eat next month. It's, can you do something that actually honors both of those things? Can you take a step in that direction while you also do what you need to do so that you can have food on the table for your family? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. Thank you. I love the both. And that's something that, um, I often use in terms of like, you know, just (laughs) our lives are so nuanced. There's so much gray and we spend a lot of time, I think, at least I do, um, forgetting that and trying to live in the black and white of things, which I don't think is very helpful, which I think is what exactly what you're talking about when you say, is there such a thing as free will? And is there such a thing as manifestation? And can they coexist? And yes, they can. And yes, they should. (laughs) They are meant to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, so um, Heather, tell us how we can connect to you, connect with you, learn about, learn more about your mystery school and, you know, just the best ways to follow. Can I say one more thing just on the top top, uh, subject of free will and manifestation? Of course. Yes, please. Is that I, a lot of times get the question too, like, well, then what's the point of having the free will if we're just here to kind of be guided? And my question to that is always like, what would it look like down here if we were just all fully remembering full soul, like, and not kind of having this veil between human and higher, if we, if we didn't have the forgetting layer, if we didn't have the density, what would it actually look like? We would just be kind of on autopilot or just, do you know what I'm saying? Like, and so the point of the forgetting in my experience is so that we can choose with our free will, what is actually divine, what is actually of our soul. Um, because a lot of times I get that question of like, well, then if it's just to follow our, our, our soul, then why would we even bother having free will? And mm-hmm. that's the whole point is, is to create something with our free will, um, uh, that we couldn't create if it were just I remember it all. Do you know what I'm saying? I remember it all. I don't, haven't forgot a thing. I am my divine. I am not a me. I'm not a self. I'm just part of everything. I'm part of, do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's our ability to create something in form that comes from having this free will. And so that's why we have it. But then our job is to kind of continually return to the higher, if that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. I just feel like I wanted to kind of like underscore that little bit, last little bit. Yeah, I'm glad you did. I think that's an important piece. Um, and yeah, so salient. So thank you for adding that. Um, so they can find me at heather-allison.com. Um, there are currently three kind of mystery schools to explore here. Should they feel called? There's Golden Goddess, which is the the deepest, the fullest experience of this. It's really um, kind of go all in. It's all the latest teachings and all of the energetic practices. And we do shamanic journeying on every call. Um, it's absolutely beautiful, stunning journey. Um, there is the spiral, which is I consider it to be kind of the mini mystery school, which is um, we take kind of one principle and one practice every month and really like bring it into our bodies. It would be kind of like if you're doing that in a yoga class where you were like really focusing on for this month, it's all, you know, uh, twists or whatever, where you really like kind of going one at a time to, to bring the knowing and the embodiment into kind of your physical awareness and your physical um, remembrance. Um, and then there's the inner sanctuary, which is the feminine divine feminine monthly temple. And we really just kind of explore 
um, there's like a taste of the mysteries in there for if you wanted to just come in and like dip a toe in. Um, and then there are other things kind of coming on online here soon too, but those are the three primary. Great. And the best way to connect with you is your website. You said, yeah, um, you can also find me on Instagram, which is I am Heather Allison, um, or my Facebook as well, which is Heather Bruce Allison. So you can follow me on my profile there too. Okay, wonderful. I'll make sure all those links get into our show notes so people can find you easily. Um, and thank you so much for your time, Heather. It's been such a, I can't believe that was like the fastest hour I've ever experienced in my life. I went by so fast. A little portal. We just thought yeah, it really did feel like a time work, but I feel like I've been talking to you for 10 minutes. So thank you so much. Yeah, it's just been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much. It was super fun everyone that concludes another amazing episode of outside the studio i hope you enjoyed yourself i hope you learned something new maybe remembered something old maybe felt inspired to apply something to your life my <laughs> you can hear my dog in the background she's doing a little happy dance um so daisy enjoyed it Anyhow, I wanted to just pop in here to wrap us up to say a couple of things. Number one, I have such an amazing team that helps me put these podcasts together. Without them, I wouldn't you know, be able to bring these amazing conversations to you. So thank you to my producer, my director of creative services, my sound editor, my um, engineer, Consistency Media don't know what I would do without you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the amazing creation and artistic musical genius Drew Lovern. Thank you so much for putting together this music for specifically for outside the studio. So unique to the show. Only place you're ever going to hear it is right here. Thanks you guys. You make my world go round. Stay well, everyone. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, share on the socials, especially if it's a show that you think, hey, this could help somebody else. That's what this is all about, right? We're sharing information so that we're better, um, so that we're inspired, so that we're lifting each other up and we're learning how to be in this world, living on this planet to the best of our ability, sharing information and inspiring one another. And that's my hope. That's my hope for the show. Take care.